Good morning. Have your Bibles turn to the book of Luke, chapter 7. I've been praying all week, actually for the last several weeks, about this service. We're getting close to Thanksgiving. I love Thanksgiving. And it's a lot of times one we overlook, but Thanksgiving is kind of the calm before the storm. Because it's about to get hectic. It's about to get crazy. It's about to get stressful. They can sing about it's the most wonderful time of the year, but this is the most time of the year that you're going to pull your hair out. And Thanksgiving is kind of the calm before the storm. You get together with family. You get together with friends. You, you eat. That's probably my favorite part. You eat. And uh, you just kind of relax. And I wanted to preach a sermon this morning about thanksgiving. And there's several scriptures all through the Bible about thanksgiving. Corinthians says, indeed, everything is for your benefit so that as grace extends through more and more people, it may cause thanksgiving to increase to the glory of God. Jeremiah says, thanksgiving will come out of them and, and a sound of rejoicing. The psalmist said several times throughout the psalm, said, I will thank the Lord with all my heart and will declare all your wondrous works. He says, let us enter into his presence with thanksgiving. Let us shout triumphantly to him in song. And then the verse that most of us know, enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and bless his name. And I kept praying for a Thanksgiving sermon. And this story kept coming up. This scripture kept coming up. So we're going to look in Luke chapter 7. And it's the story that Lori just sang about. So Luke chapter 7, starting in verse 36. It says, Then one of the Pharisees invited him, this is Jesus, to eat with him. And he entered the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. I'm going to stop there for just a second. Jesus entered his house and reclined at the table. Jesus was God in the flesh, and look what he did here. He took time to rest. He reclined at the table. And a woman in the town who was a sinner found out that Jesus was reclining at the table in the Pharisee's house. It doesn't give her name, but it gives her reputation woman in town who was a sinner. She had baggage. She had a reputation. Have you ever been there? Something you've done in the past, something you've been known for, and you just can't get away from that. She had been branded, didn't say what she had done, and we assume a lot of things, but the Bible simply says she was a sinner, known throughout the town as a sinner. And she brought an alabaster jar of perfume and stood behind him at his feet weeping and began to wash his feet with her tears. She wiped his feet with her hair, kissing them and anointing them with the perfume. Now this perfume is alabaster box. The alabaster was not the perfume used. The alabaster box was simply a vessel that they carried the perfume in. It was sealed and most of the time a very expensive perfume was put in this container and it was molded 
shut. So if you were to use this, you would break it open and you would pour out the whole thing. Now, this was an expensive perfume. Something put in an alabaster box, an alabaster container, would be about a month's wage at the time. Very expensive perfume. And she gets down at his feet and she kisses them and she anoints them. When the Pharisee who had invited him in saw this, he said to himself, This man, if he were a prophet, would know who and what kind of woman this is who is touching him. She's a sinner. Remember what we talked about last week? Jesus knew what people were even thinking. You could be in a room with Jesus and think something, and he would know it immediately. And just like last week, when somebody is doing something good, there's always going to be somebody that has something to say about it. If he only knew who she was. He didn't have any faith in Jesus because he said if he was a prophet, not only did Jesus know who she was, what she had done, he knew where she was born, he knew her parents, he knew everything about this woman, everything that happened in her life. He knew what the man was thinking. And after hearing what this man was thinking, Jesus replied to him, Simon, I have something to say to you. And he said, say it, teacher. Verse 41, he says, a creditor had two debtors. One owed 500 denarii, the other 50. Since they could not pay it back, he graciously forgave them both. So which one of them would love him more? And Jesus takes care of the situation with a question, like he did most of the time. <clears throat> he said, let me ask you something. If there were two men that owed one man, and one man, and, and this was, we'll put it in modern day money, if one man owed $60,000, and one man owed $6,000, and the guy they owed it to said, neither one of them are going to be able to pay it back. I forgive the debt. So one is forgiven 60000 one is forgiven 6000 And he asked the man, who will love this guy more? Simon answers, I suppose the one he forgave more, the $60,000 debt. You have judged correctly, he told him. And then turning to the woman, he said to Simon, do you see this woman? I entered your house and you gave me no water for my feet. But she with her tears has washed my feet and wiped them with her hair. You gave me no kiss, but she has not stopped kissing my feet since I came in. You did not anoint my head with olive oil, but she has anointed my feet with perfume. Therefore I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven her. That's why she's loved so much. But the one who is forgiven little loves little. Then he said to her, your sins are forgiven. Those who were at the table began to say amongst themselves, Who is this man who even forgives sins? And he said to her, Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. I want to uh, pause this morning for a moment. Because 
like I said earlier, we're about to get busy. Christmas is coming, and as much as we try not to make Christmas a, a hectic, busy holiday, it, it just is. It's stressful. We have so many things to worry about. We're already wondering what we're going to do for Christmas, and we've got plans for all these things, and, and most of us are busy just about every day for the rest of the year. And this morning, I want to pause. And the title of my sermon is this, simply thankful. Thankful. And I want you to see what I'm talking about. Because this woman, when she came in, she came in carrying that alabaster vessel. She, she came in. She came prepared. This morning, I want to talk about being thankful and, and what's in my bottle. Now, I was going to title my sermon, What's in My Bottle. I didn't think that would go over very well online. So in this bottle, what's in this bottle is the things that I am most thankful for. And I want to tell you a few things that I'm thankful for this morning. In this bottle, I'm thankful for his creation. Just to look outside, absolutely beautiful day. I mean, in the 60s this week, it was in the 30s. I didn't move to Alabama for it to be in the 30s. It was in the 30s last week. I'm thankful for his creation. I, I grew up in, in Oklahoma, and we had a wildlife refuge close. And when we go out to that wildlife refuge, you would see buffalo, just great big beasts, these buffaloes roaming free. They'd go right in front of you, drive right up to them. You could almost reach out and touch them. They were longhorns roaming free, and, and these, these giant cows is what I always just, giant cows with big, long horns. It amazed me that God was so creative. We had tarantulas. Oh, but it's still God's creation. And they would be roaming all over the place, and they could jump 7 to 10 feet. I remember moving to Kentucky in uh, 1995, first year I was there. I moved there in August. The first snow we had was in 1995. And they told me, and I grew up in, in Oklahoma. We had maybe one or two inches of snow every three or four years. And it was just great. And if you ever have snow in Alabama, they just shut the state down. They just were closed for business. Y'all come back and see us in a couple of days when it's 90 degrees. <laughs> and so I, I was first year in Kentucky, and they said, it's going to snow tonight. We'll have snow on the ground in the morning. I'm like, yes, it's snow. I go in there, and I might be able to scoop up enough to make some snow ice cream. My dad taught me how to make when I was a kid in Oklahoma, and I was excited. And I woke up the next morning, and I opened the door, and there was 18 inches of snow on the front porch. I said, I'm going back to Alabama. His creation is amazing. I'm thankful for his creation. And I think sometimes we enjoy his creation and we take it all in, but we just aren't thankful for it. I'm thankful that God has created all that he has and we're able to enjoy all that we're able to enjoy. And part of his creation is, is human life. I, babies, and Haley's, Haley, it drives crazy. She loves babies, my, my middle daughter. And of course, all my kids love babies, but she just freaks out when she sees a baby. I love little babies. They're just 
squishy and, and just you just grab them and hold them and there's nothing like a little baby. And then they get a little older and they're just so cute. Uh, Anna, when I first got here, and, and I've been here six months, when I first got here, I couldn't get little Anna to look at me. She'd walk to the back, I'd be shaking hands and she'd just do this. And she'd walk right on by. And over time, I would talk to her and she would look at me a little bit. And uh, a couple months back, she had a face tattoo on her from Children's Church. And I said, I love your tattoo. When are you going to get me one of those? And she dropped her head and she went on by. A couple weeks went by and she brought me a little face tattoo. She reached up there and handed it to me. Oh, uh, I said, we're making some headway. She didn't speak to me, but she gave me a face tattoo. Two weeks in a row, face tattoo at the church. I come to church last Sunday. I was standing back there. Little Anna come in, and she just ran to me and jumped in my arms. And I picked her up, and she just hugged me, and she held on to me. And, and if you notice, when I was shaking hands, when everybody was leaving, she was right there. She was just attached to me. Melted my heart. It is amazing what God has done. And I am thankful for his creation. I'm thankful for his care. That the, uh, that the God of the universe knows me by name. That the one that created all that I just talked about and has all these things to do and, and he keeps these things going and moving and everything is working exactly the way he has planned. And he knows me by name. I've told the story several times when we was in Kentucky and I had a youth group. And, and I remember growing up, I've always hated my name, Marlon. You don't meet many people named Marlon. I've never liked my name. One of the reasons is every time I go to school, we had a substitute teacher. I just, I dreaded it because she would go through the role and she would get to my name and she would say, Marion Robinson? No, that's not my name. But I was shy and I didn't, I didn't like confrontation. She'll say, they'd say, Marion Robinson? And I was like, here. So if it was like a week-long substitute, I was just marrying all week long. I wasn't going to tell them any different. I always told everybody I hated, I just hated my name. Everybody always got it wrong. <clears throat> and we were at a, uh, it was called a judgment house, kind of like the, the haunted trail that we had a couple weeks ago. And uh, you go through this, this place and it shows different scenes of death and, and uh, devastation and, and all this. And then you walk into where they acted like it was hell and they had the demons and the devils and it was dark and it was scary and you walk through there and when you get done you walk into what is supposed to be heaven and you walk into this giant sanctuary great big church there in Kentucky and we walked in the back doors and the heaven scene is on the stage and there's angels these beautiful angels with these wings and, and one of them is standing at the podium it's got this great big book of life and our group walks down we all went as a group there's probably 25 of us <clears throat> we all group and we, and we stand there we're like What's going to happen? And then they started calling names. They would call your name, and you would go up, and you would enter into heaven. And they started calling names, and I was excited when they called Lori's name because I wasn't really sure if she was going to make it. And, uh, and I happened to be, not alphabetically, just by the grace of God, I happened to be the last one in my group that got called, and everybody else got called. And they were all up here. They were waiting on me. And the book of life opened, and the angel from heaven with a booming voice said, Marion Robinson. And nobody, because it was a solemn scene, and nobody, our group, I could tell they wanted to die laughing because they'd heard the stories. They knew about the substitutes, but they, they were all like, mm. 
And I heard this booming voice, Marion Robinson. And I said, not even God knows my name. <laughs> and then, of course, they started laughing, and the, that kind of ruined the whole solemn moment. But the creator of the universe knows me by name. Not only knows me by name, he cares about me. He cares about what happens to me. He cares about what I do. He cares about how I treat others. He cares about how others treat me. He cares about the little things in my life. And he has taken good care of me. I am thankful. because I, I've told this several times. I was born here in Alabama. I was born in, in Mobile, and we lived in Turnerville, just down the road, a little ways. Serena Circle. And when I was two years old, I was plucked up from the promised land, and we moved to Oklahoma, two years old. And I grew up in Oklahoma, went to school all 16 years of, or 12 years or whatever it was of school that I went through. Went through school when I was about uh, 18 or so. Uh, through a mutual friend, I met Lori. <clears throat> and I went to visit this friend, not to visit this friend, but to meet Lori. And uh, we went to the beach in South Carolina, and it was the first time I'd met her. And, and Kentucky, where she lived, was a 1,000 miles away from Oklahoma. And she fell madly in love with me at first sight. And I thought, this is probably never going to happen again, so I better marry this one. So I met her in June. In August of that year, I moved 1,000 miles away to Kentucky. I only knew a handful of people. A year later, we were married. God cares about me so much. I believe with all my heart this is exactly where God wants me to be in 2018. And yet, just a few miles down the road is where I was born and, and spent the first two years of my life. And yet he took me to Oklahoma, and I had to learn some things, and I had to go through some things. And then he found that there's only one woman in this world that could deal with me, and she was a 1,000 miles from Oklahoma. So I moved to Kentucky and got married, and we had a family. And uh, I love my family. I, I've learned so much from my three kids. It's, I've often said God called me to preach just a few months before Mitchell was born. And there's no mistake because 90% of my sermon illustrations have to do with my kids. They have taught me so, And not just the latest dance trends and all the hip lingo, which they do, and if you need to know what all that is, I'll tell you after church. I have learned so much from watching them grow. I have learned more about God through my family than I ever knew before I had them. I am thankful for his care. I am thankful for his cross. We spent several weeks ago we spent several weeks at the foot of the cross. And I won't get too deep in this because we covered a lot of things over those few weeks in that series. But the most thankful thing that I, the, the reason I'm most thankful for the cross is this one thing. He didn't have to die. And I think we overlook that sometimes. Well, the cross was just 
you know, you know, Adam and Eve sinned in the garden. It was under the shadow of the cross. The cross didn't have to happen. He didn't have to die. And I remember watching The Passion of the Christ for the first time. We went to the movie theater. That's the most real I'd ever seen, the crucifixion depicted. And I remember watching all the horrible things that happened to Jesus as he was hanging on the cross. And I heard the chant of the crowd saying, Come down, come down. And I never will forget this. There was a, a man, elderly man beside me. And as I was watching this, he had his head down. And he kept saying to himself, very quietly, Don't come down. Don't come down. Don't come down. And that struck me as strange. And then I kept watching. And it hit me. Him staying up there, as horrible as it was, him staying up there is the only reason I'm going to make it to heaven. It's the only reason I have any hope at all of missing hell. And I began to say to myself, don't come down. Don't come down. I am thankful for his cross. I am thankful for his connection. That God would send his word to his people. So there would be no mistake about what is right and what is wrong. There would be no mistake about what your will should be in God. God has already placed it. He's already told us everything we need to know. And all we have to do is get in here and study it and find out what God has for us. I am thankful for his connection to us through the word. That this word connects to us fresh and new every time we open it. Every time we look at it. It applies to something going on right now in our lives. I'm thankful for the connection he has with us in prayer. That we can go to our Father anytime we want with anything on our mind and talk to Him. Not only does the Creator of the universe know us by name, not only does He care for us, He wants to hear from us. I am so thankful for that. I am so thankful that no matter what happens to me, no matter who turns their back on me in this world, I always have an open line of communication with God the Father. I am thankful for his connection. I am thankful for his church. That a group of people, as different as they can be, with different likes and dislikes, we like different teams, we like different sports, we like different things, we like to worship in different ways. And all that being said, a group of people that different can come under the same roof and love one another so completely. That, that I am so thankful that we can come together and that we are a church that loves one another. I am thankful for this church. I, uh, <clears throat> seen a video this past week. It was a pastor of a mega church. Thousands and thousands of people in his congregation. Several different satellite campuses in this church. And this senior pastor, what he did is he dressed up like a homeless man. Just the beard and the clothes, you could not at all tell who it was. It was just long hair in his face, and he had this great big beard, and he was pushing a shopping cart with all his worldly possessions in that cart. And he would go to different campuses in a two-week span of his church, and he would park that shopping cart outside the church. 
he would sit there. And the video started out, and it showed him sitting there. It showed all these different people walking by and not paying him any attention, not speaking to him, just going on into the church house. It showed six or eight people that just walked right by him. <clears throat> and then after the two weeks, it showed this senior pastor walking into his church, huge church, and he pushed that buggy down the middle aisle. And he had the, all the homeless garb on and the beard and the, the hair. And he pushed his buggy down to the altar. And he got up and he got behind the pulpit. And he began to take off the costume that he had. And he began to tell the story. He said, I, I, want, I wanted to see if we could love people that aren't so easy to love as a church, as a body. Because it's easy to love people that, that love you back. It's easy to, peop it's easy to love people that, that give to you and that are always showing up and they're always getting in and working and doing things. And he said, I wanted to see how we would do to love someone that was harder to love. And he said, you couldn't see it in a video. And he said, I was crying behind that beard. He said, the reason I was crying is he said, I was amazed at our church. And he went on to say, I am amazed at how much you loved me and cared for me. He said, I'm amazed at how many people come by and stop. And they showed a video, and it was probably 30 minutes long, of all the different people coming by with their families and just praying with him and handing him a Bible and giving him some money, going and getting him coffee, going and getting him food. And he said, time after time after time, he said, you just came in and you, you loved on me. None of them ever condemned him. They all invited him to come in, feel right at home, sit with us. And I watched that video and I began to cry. And the reason I began to cry is because my first thought was this. That's the kind of church we are. I saw our church in that situation. To love those that are harder to love than anybody else to reach out and to pull them in. And I am thankful that we are a church that loves that way. I am thankful for his creation. I am thankful for his care, for his cross, for his connection, for his church. But more than any of that, I am thankful for his grace. That he knows me so well, knows everything about me, and still loves me. I'm so thankful that he doesn't throw me away every time I mess up. When I was younger, I heard a uh, preacher give this testimony. He said, when I was a boy, he said, I got in trouble day at church he said that wasn't unusual for me but he said this this particular day he said I, I he said I, I went and he said I'm not going to say what I did because I don't want to give you any ideas <laughs> but he said it was bad and he said my dad grabbed me off the front pew and he drug me into the back and he said I knew what was coming he said we got back there and we got to Sunday school class and he said my dad pulled off his belt he said he grabbed me by the arm held me there and he said he reared back and he said I heard the belt coming down and I heard it hit 
didn't feel anything. And he said he pulled that belt back again and he said, I heard it coming again and I heard it hit flesh. And again, I didn't feel anything. He said the third time the same thing happened. So my dad put his belt back on. He said he reached down, he knelt down in front of me and he hugged me. And he said, I love you. He said he got back up and he said we walked out. I sat down in the front pew. <clears throat> and he said, my dad was the pastor. He said that morning he got up and he preached about grace. He said, I didn't notice it until he got on the stage. He said, on his arm was three whelps. He said, that morning I got a clear picture of grace than I ever had in my entire life. I deserved every bit of that punishment. And yet he took it for me. I don't care what your reputation is, whether you've been in church all your life or whether you have a reputation in town as a sinner. Apart from God's grace, none of us stand a chance. Apart from the goodness of God and the cross, no one makes it. I am thankful for his grace. So I've come this morning thankful. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to bring what I'm thankful for. I'm going to lay it down at the feet of Jesus. And I ask you to do the same thing. And you can do it however you want to. In your pew, as a family, however you want to do it. But I hope the whole time I've been talking this morning, you've been thinking about what's in your bottle. Because what's in your bottle is not the same thing as what's in mine. You've not been through the same things I've been through. I've not been through the same things you've been through. But they all belong in the same place, at the feet of Jesus. Thank him, him this morning. As Mitchell comes to play something, with every head bowed and every eye closed, I ask you this. What are you thankful for? What are you thankful for? Whatever you're thankful for, whatever's in your bottle this morning, what are you going to do with that? come this morning to say, God, I'm thankful for all you've done. Is it true? If you want to come to the altar this morning and do that, feel free. If you want to do it right there where you are, feel free. But don't leave this morning without telling Jesus how thankful you are. Without pouring out those bottle blessings at his feet. I am thankful. Today, I'm going to pause to tell him, thank you, Lord, for all you've been. Thank you, Lord, for all you've been. Thank you, Lord, for all you're going to do. And as a church this morning, let's anoint his feet with our thanksgiving.
minute or so, I'm going to pray. You're here this morning. Say, I'm thankful. I'm thankful for all God's done for me. And I want to keep that attitude of thanksgiving in my heart for the rest of the year, for the rest of my life. Help me to do that. That's your prayer this morning. Raise your hand. been so good to us. And this week I want us to just pause and let him know how thankful we are. Father, we come to you, Lord, giving you all the praise and all the glory that you're so worthy of. stand thankful. First and foremost for your grace. For loving us when we are unlovable. For dying for us when we were unworthy. I pray that we show that same love. pray that we keep that attitude of thanksgiving only this week, but throughout the rest of our lives. Come what may, God, you've already done more for us than we deserve to be done. Thank you. I pray as every hand went up in the sanctuary, give them a special blessing of thanksgiving this week. They keep it fresh on their hearts and their minds how good you've been to us great things you have already done and what great things you're going to do for this body of believers. We thank you. We praise you. We love you. We adore you. We ask it all in your sweet holy name. Amen.